This is a child that has a future that's undefined, unlimited. And I think that though the label foster may paint that this is a challenge. And I don't imagine that foster children are any more challenging than natural children. So far, it's not been my experience. <laughs> Grab your cup of coffee, cup of tea, and settle down for another episode of the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe. At the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe, we know that one caring adult can really change life for a vulnerable child. That's why foster parents are one of the most critical components of the foster care system. Foster parents open their homes and hearts and provide hope and love to children who need it the most. They're the guides that every superhero needs in order to be great. That's why foster parents need better support, and more exceptional resources. For far too long, foster parents have been made to feel like extras in a movie, when in reality, they're more like the co-stars. Here at the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe, this is where all those guides come to meet to become better informed, better prepared, and most importantly, more encouraged to continue to serve on the front lines of the child welfare system. I'm your host, Takeem Morgan. I spent eight years of my life navigating the foster care system and that experience inspired me to become a change maker on behalf of vulnerable children and an advocate for foster parents. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire the next generation of foster parents and foster children to be great. Our mission here at Mosaic is to inspire and nurture the spirit of serving children and families, one foster parent, one episode, and one community at a time. Thank you for joining us and thank you for listening to the show. Today, we have a really important topic and a very special, special guest uh, for you and for me. And as we get into um, this episode, you'll understand why. Um, mentorship is our topic today. And mentorship is such an interesting topic. It's, it's obviously a very important topic if you look at the data, but the reason why mentorship is so interesting is because there's a lot of talk about mentorship. And anytime you ask anyone, they'll tell you that mentorship is a game changer, like full stop. But when you look at the number of people who are actually actively engaged in mentorship, it's a lot less than, than you would think. So my guest today is Chip Finney. Mr. Finney, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Hey, calm down. Calm down, crowd. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Mr. Finney. First reason that I chose the show topic and you as a guest is I wanted to personally honor you and thank you for the time that you invested in me and for sticking with me through thick and thin and providing me with the tools to direct my own life. That is really important. When we first met, I don't think that it's a far stretch to say that my life was in shambles. No father, no mother, 
broken up from my brothers and sisters. You know the story. We won't get too far into it right now, but uh, very challenging, very, very challenging situation. And you jumped in. You did an excellent job. So I wanted to honor you. That's the first reason. Second reason is with your mentorship, I was able to beat the odds. And I'm talking data now. And I was able to earn an MBA. I have a fundamental understanding of the importance of data and how to use it to solve problems. And I know as an actual fact that I not only beat the odds, but I'm in a very, very far uh, uh, upside of the odds. And I believe that your method can be codified and used to help thousands of young people navigate the foster care system the way that you helped me navigate the foster care system. So that's the second reason. The third reason is I'm hoping to leverage our story and our experience to launch a modern foster youth mentorship program that leverages social network technology and mentorship, best practice of mentorship to inspire young people to achieve greatness, young people in the foster care system specifically, because I think those are the, those among us that have the greatest need. So those are the reasons that I, that I chose to show topic and why I chose you as a guest. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you feel honored. How do you feel today? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing great today. And uh, I, I am honored, but I'm honored to share this space with you and to have shared all these years with you. That is truly the honor. And um, yeah, so I'm excited to share my perspective on things. I'm excited to hear yours. And uh, I hope that folks will walk away understanding that it was not a arduous or challenging journey but one full of rewards and um, growth. And any journey that has rewards or growth in it, there's a bit of struggle and expansion. And that's what this has been for me. Well, I, I appreciate uh, hearing that. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let my guests and my list, not my guests, but my listeners be the judge of whether it was arduous. Because I want to go into some of the stories. It's important when we do the, this. This session is important. So I can really go through some of the detailed stories and we'll we'll see how we'll see whether it was uh, was arduous uh, <laughs> or not. Um, but thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. I always appreciate your per- perspective. And um you know, honored to have you as a mentor, and I'm honored to share this space with you and, and to get you involved in this effort uh, of mine as well, this little mission that I'm on here. This is a cafe. I think you know that, right? This is the Mosaic yes. Foster Parents Cafe. Before we really get into knowing who our guests are, we'd like to know what our guests drink. What do you, what do you like to drink when you go in the cafe? Coffee. <laughs> And I, I, I drink my coffee uh, with lots of sugar and lots of milk, but I, that's, that's me, coffee. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's a passion. How uh, long have but, you been a coffee drinker? I, uh, I, I don't think I've known one time when you didn't drink coffee. And I yeah. know that I, that I drink coffee today explicitly because of you. I think you probably know the first time I drank coffee, I didn't like it. But you always drink it. I was like, it's got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's, uh, 
it's a, a wonderful way to connect with people. It's a wonderful way to uh, the smell, the aroma, the taste. It's fantastic. However, the hour of the day prohibits me from having coffee right now. So I'm actually, I have a cup because I knew it was a cafe, but <laughs> it's my second favorite thing, which are jelly beans. Oh, man. And, and they are multicolored because of the mosaic aspect. So Yo, let's give a shout out for the cup check. He said he has jelly beans. That's a first. That's a first. All right. You're making this yeah. a classic already. <laughs> There you go. He's got jelly beans in his cup. All right. Well, for my cup check, I am drinking naked Mighty Mango fruit juice. Uh, I am a coffee drinker. You're my mentor. Uh, I learned to drink coffee from you. I learned to drink Coca-Cola from you. I will say that publicly. There we go. Yes. Uh, But today, I'm making a healthier choice. This is uh, Mighty Mango. Shout out to uh, your wife, Stacy. I'm sure she would like the fact that I'm drinking something very healthy. Yes, there we go. Um, but that's, uh, that's what I'm sipping on today. All right, so cup check out of the way. We, we want to we ease into our discussion. We have a lot of time to really get into some of the details of our mentorship relationship. But I'd, I'd like my listeners to get a little bit acquainted with you my first question is, if you could describe your passion, your skills, experience, mentoring as a superpower, right? This kind of superpower analogy. What is your superpower or your secret sauce in terms of how you're able to be so effective? Hmm. So it's interesting. A superpower would mean that I'm a superhero, or that I would have would be a superhero. And I, when I think of like what superhero I would be is that it's not that I walk around as a, the normal human, but when there's a need, my superpower is that I can bring forth my connections and my resources to help others, a situation, or an organization. But by myself, I am just the, the normal human. But when I need to bring forth something, the superpower is not anything that I bring forth. It is the ability to bring others uh, and information and connection and resources to a situation. And so you know, I feel as though like if I was a superhero, I'd be the normal human walking. And then when I need it, I become a larger being with all the other resources that comes. And so it's not me that is the superpower. It's all the forces behind me, the community that I could bring to resolve the situation. So, ah, so you're a league, you're a league of superheroes. Okay, well, well you. you know, you. but isn't it? Was it? Who's who is it? There's a there's a superhero that is the one that summons all the other superheroes. Or maybe well, it's a villain. You know? <laughs> but but I think that that is that would be the superpower. But what would be the the trigger for that superpower? It's listening. It's being able to understand what resources need to be brought, not the ones that I want to bring, but in order to evoke this 
this power that I have, these resources, these networks, you have to first be listening to what the needs are. And otherwise, then it may be uh, hubris that you like, well, you got, I'm here to save the day. But if you don't haven't listened and listened intently to the person, the organization, or listen to this, this to the scenario, then you may be bringing the wrong things. You may be bringing the inappropriate things. And so I feel as though the value add that I bring are, is my network, but really it has to start with listening to what is the situation. Awesome. All right. And my second question on the icebreaker for the icebreaker is what life lessons motivated you to serve others, particularly young people facing challenges like foster care? Yeah, it's really a selfish answer. Um, I, I know exactly what it is. Every holiday, whether it's Christmas or a birthday, and I give somebody a present for their birthday, for Christmas, or for our graduation, I've thought about it. I've listened to what their needs are, what their wants are. And then I just can't wait to see them open it. And while I love getting birthday presents, while I love getting Christmas presents, I more so enjoy watching somebody unwrap a present that they that is really specific for them. That they are like, this is what I really wanted. And that is so wonderful for me. So it really is true that it's better to give than to receive. It's much more fulfilling for me. And so being able to share my life experiences with others, being able to help individuals avoid pitfalls, or sometimes you can't, you have to let folks go through pitfalls, but maybe you're there to catch them so they don't fall so deeply. That to me, the giving, it has always been so fulfilling. And it is just so clear to me in my life that from just being a child that I couldn't wait till my parents opened up the present that I had gotten for them and seeing their reaction or the person, you know, receiving the birthday present and they're like, this is what I wanted. And, uh, you know, so being able to help somebody or whether it's in mentoring, help them, that's so gratifying to, to uh, be able to assist and to support. Wow. So, so, so it was like, it was like in you from, from time you were very young. It, it was exposed. It, it, yeah. I, I, you know, by giving, I got a lot of enjoyment. And then as I got older to being able to support individuals and support people, it's always been a, a wonderful aspect. Man, we need more people like you in the world, sir. Okay, so let's get into it. I would like you to walk me through 
what you remember about our uh, initial encounters, like when we first met. So when we first met, you were a part of a cohort of students and all of you around the same age within a year or two, but you were one of the smallest. You, uh, you and uh, Malik were the two smaller students and you were shorter and thin and yet you were not, there was a lot of energy within you. And so you were not a shrinking violet, you were small but mighty. And that, you know, your, your, your personality was outsized. You had this outsized personality that really fought to be noticed and uh, fought for attention. So uh, you weren't, you know, and you had a lot of questions. So it was, uh, it was, it was a very, uh, you know, juxtaposition of the size, but then the personality was very large. And I, I often would describe you to people as being dynamic and, and I really respected that. And I, um, and I saw that dynamicism having a lot of potential, but the potential was neither positive nor negative at that moment. It could go either way. And I wanted to do what I could to make sure that you were going to be dynamically great. Wow. I guess if we go back to your, uh, your uh, superhero superpower, there are the supervillains that have, <laughs> you know, gr- great intellect, but something has, you know, gone wrong in their origin story and they, they become the supervillain. And oh man, I that, was on the path. <laughs> well, but that, but that's the thing that when we look at the heroes of comic books, that they have tragedy within their lives and it's something, an inflection point of which way do they go, you know, and the ones that go to the evil route, there, there wasn't anybody there for them. And the ones that go the other way, there was the Alfred of Batman. There was the aunt and uncle for Spider-Man. And so it's, Oftentimes, the, the, the tragedy of those villains is that they weren't really the cause of their pain. Right. All right. Well, so let's, 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 let's set a little bit of context, though. So in terms of our mentor-mentee relationship, the, the first thing I think listeners should understand is that it was never formal. We, we never had a, a formal uh, mentorship relationship, and we and we still don't. We've we never in, entered a program. You never signed up with anybody, right? Like you never came to DCS. You never, you know, you were at my school. You talked to DCS folks. You were at the hospital, uh, but but we, we were never part of a formal program, which I think is interesting and, and unique as well. And before we had a mentorship dynamic, we went to church together. We attended right. the same church. We didn't really know each other at church, but right. we attended the same church. I think we've, we had seen each other in church. I know I think I remember seeing you like in passing, not, not really right. had a relationship. But then I started high school with right. someone from 
our church that started a new school. Right. And the new school, the cohort of students that you're talking about was the first like 10 students or something like that. Right. That's correct. It was about 10 students at a new school. We didn't have our own building. We're like in the basement of a church. Right. right. Very ragtag. The whole situation was not ragtag, but startup. It was a startup. It was a startup. It was a startup. Yeah. It was legit startup. North Star. Um, I, interestingly enough, right? North Star. Uh, yeah. It was called. And so you were my teacher. That's right. Uh, initially, the formal relationship was that you were my teacher. And you are exactly. you are multi-subject, but a focus in English, right? Yep. English and history. English and history. Right. That's right. Because I started writing poetry with your with your class in Lamar. That's right. Okay, so 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 we had to st- we had a student teacher relationship before we even had a mentorship re- relationship. Absolutely. That, that was a, and, and I think that that is the structure that has allowed that allowed us to go into the mentorship, and you know to explain the Mister Finney versus Chip. It was the the teacher-student relationship that Mr. Finney comes out of. Absolutely. But as your your student, like you say, I had a personality that was larger than my physical body. The way I remember is I was uh, a... uh, I could be a bit annoying uh, when I was was a kid. Defiant, you know, definitely did not respect authority. Uh, definitely wanted to challenge any fact or any, you know, any norm. Right. I think right. I was challenging norms. And so early in our relationship, I can't say that we bumped heads. Right. Because I would throw my head at you, but you wouldn't throw your head back. Right. And once again, I get back to the dynamicism, questioning, passionate those are all things that under the right framework are the things that we want in our society. You know, passionate individuals that are fired up to do something, but are questioning as to how it can be done under in the right field, in the right fertilized area. That's the, 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 the seed that you wanted to, the, to have. And, so I saw that in you. Now, is that sometimes challenging with, if everything is you say as a teacher is responding with why or do I have to do that or how much more is this going to be on the test? Yes, that can be annoying. <laughs> but there was other aspects of it that were positive. When I asked you to assist with cleaning the, uh, the classroom or cleaning the boards, there was an enthusiasm, a, a wanting to have purpose, a wanting to do something, you know, not a, uh, there was no, not a reluctance to stay after school for extra, to do extra. Well, okay. So, so looking back, could you see how my home life was affecting me academically? Like, was that an obvious thing? Well, I have to admit the first time I, uh, said, hey, you're acting up in school, you have to stay after school and help with these different chores and tasks. And you were like, willingly staying. I was like, all right, well, you know, that's, that's good. And then I started realizing there was some place that you didn't want to go. And w- when I recognized that, 
I had to really say, well, he's not, you know, keen on just washing boards and picking up books and things like that. There's something that's not awesome at home. And, and, and you had to, and I think that as a teacher, you have to recognize that and then um, try to be supportive of that. And so use the time after school to be not just like, well, clean the boards, but well, let's go over a little bit more of this or let's do something that is, you know, still has educational value because maybe something at home isn't allowing the homework to be done mm, right. or, or let's have a conversation about something academic while you're washing the boards, while you're straightening things up. Let's continue to use that time because maybe the time at home isn't as positive. Right. So one of the things, even though I was, I could be a problematic kid and I was, you know, had to stay after school and you could obviously see that, you know, I was having some troubles at home. You always seem to have a like grand sense of optimism. The perfect example is the story, how I was getting under your skin, but you still had a positive perspective of it, a positive solution you know, you still could see some positivity in what I think some, most teachers would find extremely frustrating. I mean, I know teachers today, and they talk about kids like me all the time, and it's the reason they hate their job, their job, right? Because it, they like can't see past the challenge in, into the more positive space. So, where'd your sense of optimism in general come from, and why were you so optimistic that I would somehow be able to do all those things and and get out of high school on time? I'm always just felt that that I go back to the word dynamic I just knew, I just felt and sensed this this sense of dynamic that you are going to be dynamic and that you're either going to be dynamically great or dynamically terrible and that I would meet you Philadelphia is too small that I would see you again and I wanted to see you on the dynamically great side of things not run into you on the dynamically bad side of things. I just knew that you, that there was this, there's, there's this sense of, dy- this, that you were going to be dynamic and that it was not hard to just share the right things, share the things that could help you. It was, it was not difficult to, to share them. Now, you may not have done them or you may not you might have resisted or you you might have ah, I don't want to hear it but it was easy to see the potential it was clear and I think that you're not unique in that I think that's children the children have this potential this glow in them and you can see it in their interest and when they look at things when they pick up things when they touch things oh that was the other thing you walked into the room you touched everything just touched everything and that that sense of curiosity and you know and and it was sometimes inappropriate because it's like (laughs) just keep keep your hands to yourself but just touching and wanting and just turning it over that's to be 
guided and directed not to be suppressed. I also remember, though, you lived in South Philadelphia and went to school in Germantown. And that to leave Southern homes to get to school was a journey. And then to get back to Southern homes in time was a journey. And I used to, you know, say that, say to myself when I was having difficult days, if Takim can get up and go to school a long distance and then come home on time, I can make it through my day. That I always knew that your journey, your day was filled with internal direction, that you had to have some fortitude to make it through the cold days, the rainy days, the days when it was too hot to go. Now, how you did while you were there, there were so many factors that would have dictated why you passed or did not pass a class. There were some teachers that when I went to parent-teacher night that were a little antagonistic against you. <laughs> and it was one of those things that I was like, well, he doesn't have an attendance problem. He's just not doing well. And for me, you showed up. And that always inspired me that on days when I was having difficulty, I was like, well, just show up the way Takim does. He gets up and he goes. And um, so when I went to the parent teacher, I uh, um, was kind of surprised at how few parents there were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when I asked questions, I was surprised at how surprised the teachers or reluctant they were to answer questions. And um, I think that inspired me that you deserved, all the children deserved an advocate. And um, that's when uh, the, the math teacher's name is just on the tip of my tongue, but I do can't not but, do it. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> do I, not I, I do that. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I remember sitting down with her and she laying out a litany of negative behaviors that I absolutely believe that you did. I was like, I believe that he does all that. I believe that he talks back. I believe that he has a smart remark for everything that you have to say. And I, turned to her and I said, I promise you this, going forward, he will be in your class and he will not say or do anything negative. If he does, you will then call me and I will deal with that. And I turned to you and I said, going forward, she will teach you. And if she doesn't, you will come and tell me and I will deal with that. And that I was brokering that deal that you were going to go to class and you were going to pay attention. You weren't going to be disruptive. But on the flip side, she was going to fulfill her duty of, of teaching. And I don't know that she expected or appreciated that, but that's what I was there to advocate for you, but also to make sure that you understood 
that there was a sense of responsibility that I was, you know, that we were connected in this. And I believe that that is the, the, the essence of the mentorship contract that it's not whether you come through big brothers, big sisters, it's not whether you come from a a social service, it's that the, the two individuals understand that they are there to work for the benefit of the child and the, 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 the mentor gets something back as well, but that there's a commitment. And that was, once again, not a hard thing to do because it was the right thing to do, that this child deserves an education and this teacher deserves not to be, you know, have their class interrupted. So one of the things, one of the stories I wanted to get out of you uh, during this interview was there was a turning point in our relationship in between going from a student to like more of a mentorship relationship. And that turning point was me being removed from kinship care and being placed into the foster care, the sort of formal foster care system going into congregate care, group home facility. And I went to a group home facility. You didn't know this, but I went to a group home facility and got passed around to a bunch of group homes. And then I ended up in foster care. And you, at one day, out of nowhere, you showed up at my foster house. Yeah. Now, you're not a relative. You're, you're not connected to my family. Like, like, no, like nobody in my family, like everybody knows you now, but nobody in my family knew you then, right? right. Walk me and uh, <laughs> my listeners through how you ended up searching and finding me when I was in foster care. So as you said, that transition was from the teaching to this mentorship relationship. And so at the uh, summer after our um, ninth grade together, I realized that I wasn't coming back to school and that I uh, had an opportunity to go work in broadcast television. And one of the things that was kind of tugging at my heart was that there wasn't a lot of black men in education and that I really felt as though it was a positive. It was positive for me. It was positive for the kids to be in education. And what I thought was, well, I'm not going to be their teacher, but that doesn't mean I can't be accessible to them. And so I called, so I got the list of all the kids that I had taught the year before. And I reached out to their families and I said, hey, I'm not going to be in school next year, but I'm totally available for your child in any capacity that you want. Here's my telephone number. Call me anytime you need. Well, when I got to your name, you weren't there at the number that I had previously had during the academic year. And so I was trying to get this message to you the same way I had delivered it to all the other students that if you needed me, I would, I I would be there. So when I found out where you were, I came to the realization of this, 
that if I came to you and said those words, hey, if you need me, here's my number, give me a call, I needed it to be, it, it was going to hit in a different way than when I called those parents before and said, hey, I'm still here for your kid, whatever you need, that I was saying it to you. And that I did not want to join a long list of people who had said they would be there and then were gone. And that didn't, this didn't honor the words or the actions that had been said. And so I actually sat out in my car outside and I said, if you go in and you say this to Takim that however he needs you, that you'll be there, you need to be able to honor that for the next six years because that's when, when you would be 18. I figured, well, when he's 18, he won't want to hang out with me anymore. So I said, well, you got to be able to make this commitment for six years. Are you willing to walk in that door and say to this young man, whatever you need, whenever you need it, call me and, and make sure you're willing to absolutely honor that for the next six years. And I said, well, yeah, I, I will not be part of a long line of people and institutions that have come in and out of his life that I'm going to be true to these words. And I think that it was a honest question, but not as a super serious question when I said, at the end of the time, do you want to hang out? And do you want to hang out again? You know, because I really didn't think that, you know, I was all that interesting to you or the things that I would, the things that I would had shared with you, jazz or art, you know, or poetry. Those weren't the, the cool things I didn't think, but it was an honest question. Would you like to hang out again? And I was uh, excited when you said, yeah. And, but then I knew that we had to set a date because once again, it had to be intentional that this was not that my, my, my words, if they were just lip service could be damaging would, could be disappointing that if I said, would you like to hang out again? And the answer was yes. It would be like, okay, how's next week look or how does this, because you were your own advocate at that point, whereas the other children, it was their parents that were dictating their lives. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time before you came up to the door for making a decision to go forward, even though you had, um, potentially six years of mayhem that you were inviting into your life. <laughs> well, six years would have been fine. It's now been like 20. <laughs> I think it's been more than 20. I, I, At least. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was going to be done in the nineties. Yeah, no, it's been, let's see, let's see. 20. No, it's been way more than 20. It's been like 20, yeah. 
three or two, three, right. four years at this point. I thought it was going to be six years and that would be it. Yeah. Well, you got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to bring start bringing this to a close. I do have I've got two more questions that I want to ask you. Uh, one of them is related to the commitment that I have with the show to provide some type of insight and education to folks that are maybe on the fence, considering getting involved in a young person's life and just hasn't made the commitment yet or is looking for the inspiration. What I want to ask you is what advice would you give a listener who is on the fence about making a commitment to mentor or foster a young person, but feels like it might be too much for them or that it might be too hard? Well, I think that uh, we started off by asking, why did I do this? And I say that giving, you get so much more. And that a teen, whether you're fostering a teen or you're mentoring a teen, the amount that you get back is really great. And that there are potentially challenges, you know, because of why the child may have come into foster. Uh, and so the issues may be complex, but the care is just the pure care of wanting to see someone do better, fulfill their potential. And I think that it, it, it may seem daunting. It may seem large, but we have such a capacity within ourselves to give. And very often it's, it's not been tapped. And when it is tapped, we find that we have even more and that it's a, it's a, uh, it's a cycle that feeds itself, that the more we give, the more that we get back and that we're not depleted, but we're actually growing. And that I honestly can say that because of you, I am such a greater person. I am such a more, uh, more expanded person that you've, you've done things that I never dreamed about and I never dreamed. And I'm so glad that, and sometimes you didn't listen to me and that you went and you exceeded even the dreams that I had for you. And that because I wanted to see you safe. And you went and said, I'm not here to be safe. I'm here to be dynamic. And that has been awesome watching you. And I think that that is something that should, my experience is not going to be a unique one. And that folks who uh, are in a position to explore fostering, explore mentoring, explore it, tr see it, see it and, uh, so that you can judge it from a real perspective because it uh, really just makes the, uh, it, it makes our life more fulfilling, I believe. Final question as we bring the, the, the show to a close. I'm, I'm on a campaign to reimagine foster care because I know that it can be better. And I know that foster care has the potential to really be a uh, inflection point 
for the change makers in our society. Uh, and so I'm asking my guests to take that journey with me. And so what, what I want to ask you is if you had the power to wave a magic wand and you can change anything within the child welfare system to improve the outcomes for the children and family that, that are going through it, what would you change and why? When I think of the term foster child, I think I envision somebody who's had challenges. Somebody's coming out of something negative. Something's been done to them. They've done something that's made the challenge. But this is a child that has a future that's undefined, unlimited. And I think that though the label foster may paint that this is a challenge. And I don't imagine that foster children are any more challenging than natural children. So far, it's not been my experience. <laughs> and so if we were to strip the, the why has this child come into need and just go, this is a child in need, that the uh, foster experience can just be the family experience, that these are families and they move as that unit. And I think that if we can get the, the wave the wand and say, we want to create families, we want to increase families, we want to provide families, we want to provide positive growth experiences through mentorship. And where's the recipient of this positivity come from? <laughs> Happens to come through this agency. But also emphasize the, the positive of the addition to the family as opposed to here's what you're going to be doing for somebody else. That this is going to be good for all involved. Word up. Well, Mr. Finney, man, listen, thank you so much for agreeing to, to for the to the call you know I, I you know i know you're you're busy we're having this uh discussion at an hour i won't i won't uh describe but, but it's but it's a generous hour i will say that it's, it's jelly bean hour <laughs> and um so i really appreciate you taking the time but but you know more than that i, I appreciate your commitment to to serving it's a very cliche thing to talk about service and all that. But, you know, one of the things I recognize just watching you is that you are genuinely interested in other people, you know, and you are the type of person that is energized by connecting with people, understanding who people really are, and, and then by helping them with the things that they say they need help them. And I think it's a wonderful example to a, a person like me who, who grew up with a lot of negative experiences and, and examples. So I really thank you so much for being that point of inspiration and that North Star <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> Kudos to Miss Crescinda Jones. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Bringing me to the North Star. Bringing us together. That's right. So thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming into 
the Mosaic Foster Parent Cafe. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you.